Here's a few quick notes about the show. Southern Girl Crime Stories is a podcast focused mostly on lesser-known true crime cases, consisting of cold cases, soft cases, identified Jane and John Doe's, along with missing persons and murder victims. You can follow the show on social media, on Instagram at Southern Girl Crime Stories, on Twitter at SG Crime Stories, or search Facebook for Southern Girl Crime Stories. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories along with photos of victims, suspects, locations of murders, and more. On August 29, 2001, construction workers building a house in the 1600 block of Wallacott Street in Redondo Beach, California, uncovered a plastic bag in the future home's backyard. Stuffed inside the bag were skeletal remains with the skull missing. To this day, the skull has never been found. Following an autopsy, an anthropologist determined that the remains likely belonged to a Caucasian female that was anywhere from 20 to 50 years old. They also estimated that she died sometime between 1974 and 2001. However, with no dental or fingerprints and no close estimate of when she died, the case would go cold. She would then become known as Redondo Beach Jane Doe and remained unidentified for the next 22 years. In 2019, the police department's cold case unit reopened the case and partnered with the DNA Doe Project. The group was then able to develop a genetic profile of the Jane Doe using DNA recovered from the location she was found in. One of the first things researchers found was that the unidentified person was of sub-Saharan African descent and not Caucasian as originally thought. It was also determined that she had distant genetic relatives living in southeastern United States. The race discrepancy could have been due to the lack of a skull and was most likely just based on bone examination. The DNA Doe Project analyzed relationships among Jane Doe's DNA relatives to help determine the victim's identity. Two relatives provided their DNA, which turned out to be her daughter and sister. In April 2023, with the help of their DNA profiles, they were able to identify the Jane Doe as Catherine Parker John. Catherine was a native of Memphis, Tennessee, and was 23 or 24 when she went missing from Lenox, California. She had left Tennessee to relocate to Inglewood, California, and last had contact with her family in May of 1981. The last record of any contact with her was on August 31, 1981 in Lenox, about 10 miles northeast of Redondo Beach. However, she was never reported missing, and although she has her name back, her murder remains unsolved. On February 16, 1986, human remains were discovered near campsites on the Los Coyotes Indian Reservation in Warner Springs, a spot on the Pacific Crest Trail. Deputies estimate the victim was killed on or near the date they were discovered. However, with no way to identify her, she would remain a Jane Doe for the next 37 years. In February 2022, the sheriff's cold case team turned to genetic genealogy to assist in the case. Using a sample of the victim's hair, a DNA profile was created and the genetic genealogist got to work. 
After providing potential leads to detectives, they were able to track down an individual believed to be a relative of the unidentified female. From here, they were able to track down the victim's daughters, sister, and mother. Finally, in 2023, the Jane Doe was identified as 24-year-old Claudette Jean Zabalski Powers. Claudette was born on January 13, 1962, in Coldwater, Michigan. In the 1980s, she lived with her husband in Washington State. Around 1983, she left her husband and moved to San Diego County. Family members last heard from her in September 1984 when her father passed away. It's believed she lived north of San Diego in Escondido and worked as a waitress until her murder in February 1986. Claudette's youngest sister, Laura Fries, and law enforcement authorities are calling on the general public to help figure out what happened to Claudette and catch whoever is responsible. A second murder victim was also found around the same time and area. The man's body has yet to be identified, and investigators are looking into the possibility that these two cases are connected. On September 8, 2002, a hotel manager at the Time Motel in Nogales, Arizona, discovered the deceased body of an adult male in one of the rooms. The man had an 8-inch surgical scar along his left frontal hairline and had told the hotel manager that he had been consulting a doctor in Mexico about surgery on his head. It was determined that he died of an accidental overdose of a combination of opioids and barbiturates. The John Doe was also found wearing a silver necklace with the letter C on a medallion. The man had registered for the room under the identity Edward C. of St. Petersburg, Florida, and even had a driver's license with that name on it. Interestingly, investigators traced the name to a man in St. Petersburg and were shocked when they found he was still alive. That's when they discovered that the real Edward C. was the victim of identity theft. It would take another 15 years before the man's true identity was known. In April 2017, investigators were able to match his fingerprint to an arrest record in Florida and identified the man as Donald Hadland Jr. However, it would take another six years to make the positive identification. In 2023, the DNA Doe Project, an investigative genetic genealogy center at Ramapo College of New Jersey, became involved with the case. They took a blood sample of Hadlands and used it for DNA testing and genetic genealogy. From that, they were able to track down Hadlands' son and obtain a copy of his Florida driver's license. Finally, his ex-wife was able to make the positive identification. Prior to his death, Hadland lived in Washington, where he attended the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma. Sometime between 1988 and 1989, Donald left his wife and son and never contacted them again. After that, he lived in Florida and New Mexico. It's believed that he was attempting to obtain funds for a medical procedure when he left New Mexico. This was the first successful identification for the Investigative Genetic Genealogy Center at Ramapo College of New Jersey. The IgG Center, which launched in January of this year, was actually the one to examine Hadland's DNA in the database GEDmatch Pro and helped reveal his true identity. In 
On October 26, 1976, the skeletal remains of an unidentified male were discovered near an irrigation pump in a cane field in western Palm Beach County, Florida. The skeleton was found at the end of a road that leads north about one-half mile into the Talisman Farm cane field off SR-827, midway between Belle Glade and South Bay. The medical examiner determined that the remains likely belonged to a Caucasian or Native American who had been shot at least three times. They also determined he likely died about two months before being discovered. The body was dressed in a pair of blue jeans and expensive boots that were estimated to cost about $70, which would be around $350 today. He also wore an expensive handcrafted Indian-style silver watch band with inlaid turquoise and pink coral. Unfortunately, he would remain unidentified for the next 47 years. There are a couple of reasons why the identification took so long. First, his facial reconstruction was done based on a Native American instead of a Caucasian and therefore differed from how he actually looked. There was also the issue with his watch having the initials LJ inscribed on the inside. Investigators initially thought they were the victim's initials, but after consulting with a jeweler, they determined they were likely those of the craftsman. In 2022, the sheriff's office hired Othram to obtain a DNA sample and conduct genealogical research. On June 13, 2023, he was identified as 29-year-old Douglas Lynn Streeter, who went by Strutt. Strutt was born on September 7, 1946, to parents Richard and Mary Streeter in Bryan, Ohio. He attended Bryan High School and had a brother and two half-siblings. In March of 1976, Strutt traveled with friends to the Spanish Oaks Apartments in Boca Raton, Florida, and was never seen alive again. As of July 2023, his homicide remains an open and active investigation. On October 26, 1978, the human remains of a female were found in a garment bag buried underneath rocks in a remote desert area off Scossa Road, about 13 miles west of Emley in Pershing County. An autopsy revealed that the remains belonged to a woman around 40 years old, and it's believed she died about six months before being found. A cause of death could not be determined due to the heavy decay of the remains. With no identifying information, she would go unidentified for the next 45 years. A dark green sweater with a white safety pin attached to the front, dark green trousers, and a long-sleeved pink sweater were found with the remains. During the investigation, several attempts at establishing a significant lead, including through facial reconstruction and dental record comparisons, left investigators empty-handed. In 2022, they contacted Othram Labs to perform an advanced forensic DNA test on the remains and conduct a genealogy search. Detectives also worked with the FBI to obtain identifying information from the clothing articles while performing a facial reconstruction and getting a mitochondrial DNA profile from the remains. Finally, on June 14, 2023, it was announced that the identity of the Jane Doe was Florence Charleston of Cleveland, Ohio. Florence, also known as Dolly, had moved to Portland, Oregon sometime in the early 1970s. Her surviving family said she possibly left with a new boyfriend. In 1978, 
Florence was in Reno, Nevada, and that's when her family lost contact with her. That same year, her remains were discovered in a garment bag. Florence's brother continued to try and get in touch with her, but her boyfriend kept making excuses as to why she couldn't come to the phone. Most of the time, he would say she was too sick to talk. At some point, Florence's brother hired a private investigator to help track down his sister, but this led nowhere. Florence would have been about 68 years old when she died, much older than the medical examiner estimated her age to be. As of July 2023, her alleged homicide remains unsolved. In August 2018, the remains of an unidentified male were found floating in Lake Alatuna near Cartersville, Georgia. He had suffered a single gunshot wound and carried no identification. He also had a backpack containing rocks and sand, along with a pair of ankle weights and an anchor fastened to his back brace to prevent him from surfacing. Unfortunately, a fingerprint comparison and facial recognition analysis failed to identify the man. Using DNA from a hair sample, a forensic genetic genealogist got to work and was able to provide detectives with a potential lead. Finally, on June 14, 2023, Identifinders International, in conjunction with the Bartow County Sheriff's Office, announced the identification of Alatuna Lake John Doe as 71-year-old George F. Madden III. The identification was confirmed using dental records. George was a resident of Columbia, South Carolina, and was reported missing in October 2019. Investigators initially believed he was murdered, but after being identified, they now believe the gunshot wound was self-inflicted. They also believe he attached the anchor to himself before taking his own life. It's also of note that he wasn't reported missing until a year after he was found dead. Identifinders would like to recognize the generosity of Gray Hughes Investigates for funding the FGG work on this case. On August 24, 1986, a group of hunters stumbled across human skeletal remains along an isolated and abandoned trail in the Caney Valley area of Claiborne County, Tennessee. At the time, investigators could not determine his identity, but did learn the victim was a white male, likely between the ages of 30 and 40, and had probably been dead for 6 to 12 months. The victim was found with a gunshot wound, and his death was ruled a homicide. After exhausting all leads, investigators were unable to determine the victim's identity, and he was classified as a John Doe and would remain unidentified for the next 37 years. In September 2015, the University of Tennessee Forensic Anthropology Center submitted a sample of the man's remains to the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification for DNA Testing. Once they had a DNA profile, it was entered into CODIS and NamUs. In December 2022, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation agents submitted a sample of the man's remains to Othram Labs for forensic genetic genealogy DNA testing. This helped investigators identify possible relatives living in Arkansas. From this, they discovered that two of those relatives had a brother by the name of Jerry Harrison, whom they had not heard from in more than four decades. Jerry was from Little Rock, Arkansas, and was born on December 20, 1957. 
Jerry last had contact with his family in 1982 when he was around 25 years old. Soon after, he began traveling around the country. Although he now has his name back, his murder remains unsolved. In October 1993, a body was found in a heavily wooded area off Interstate 59 near the Mississippi-Louisiana state line by squirrel hunters. Much of his body had been scavenged by wild animals, but they were at least able to recover the skull and part of the skeleton. They also found a unique pair of eyeglasses and a few remnants of the victim's clothing. The skull and eyeglasses would become key factors in making a positive identification decades later. It was estimated that the body had been there sometime between April and October of 1993 and was the victim of a gunshot wound. The remains were then sent to the LSU Faces Lab in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where a facial reconstruction was created. In 2003, a second computer-modeled reconstruction was completed. At that point, the Faces Lab determined that the victim was a Caucasian male between 25 to 38 years old. With the help of -of state-of-the-art technology, they were able to extract DNA from the remains with a process that involved grinding the bone into a fine white powder to pull strands of DNA from it. In April 2022, the St. Tammany Parish Coroner's Office received a grant from the nonprofit organization Season of Justice to fund forensic genealogical testing through Othram. The forensic evidence was then sent to Othram's lab, and Othram scientists built a comprehensive genealogical profile. Their in-house genetic genealogy team used the profile to produce investigative leads, which were returned to law enforcement investigators. This led investigators to two potential living siblings in a family originally from Burnsville, Minnesota. With the new information in hand, they contacted police departments in Florissant, Missouri and Burnsville, Minnesota, and were able to gain access to the victim's biological siblings. They confirmed their brother, Joseph Lee Munez, disappeared from Louisiana in 1993. Joseph was born on January 30, 1972, and was likely 21 years old at the time of his death. He had disappeared seven months before his body was discovered. His siblings were able to provide old photos that showed him wearing glasses similar to those found near his remains. The coroner's office has details on a suspected killer but declined to release the information to the public. The only thing they would say is that they believe he is most likely deceased. On March 31, 1985, a motorist having vehicle trouble pulled over on Interstate 24 west of Cheatham County, Tennessee, between mile markers 29 and 30, and discovered human skeletal remains on the nearby creek bank. Investigators were unable to determine the victim's identity, and she became known as Cheatham County Jane Doe and would remain unidentified for the next 38 years. It was estimated that she had died anywhere from two to five months before being discovered. This would put her death between October 1984 and January 1985. In April 2018, the University of Tennessee Forensic Anthropology Center submitted a sample of the woman's remains to the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification. After a DNA profile was created, the information was entered into CODIS and NamUs. 
In December 2022, TBI agents submitted a sample of the woman's remains to Othram for forensic genetic genealogical DNA testing using the DNA profile developed from the remains in 2018. In 2022, the TBI was given $100,000 by the Tennessee General Assembly to use for forensic genetic genealogy testing for cold cases in which the skeletal remains of a victim have not been identified. After providing Othram with the remains and DNA profile, they were able to provide the name of possible relatives of the victim. The TBI then tracked those relatives to Virginia and discovered a family member whose sister had been missing for the last 40 years. After obtaining a sample of the man's DNA, they were able to identify the victim as 24-year-old Michelle LaVon Inman, who was born in 1961. Her death has been listed as a homicide, but her cause of death has not been revealed, and now agents are asking for the public's help to find her killer. Because Michelle was redheaded and found abandoned on the side of an interstate, investigators believe she may be linked to the redhead murders. The murders refer to a series of unsolved homicides of redheaded females in the United States between October 1978 and 1992, believed to have been committed by an unidentified male serial killer. Those murders have occurred in Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. Investigators believe there are as many as 14 victims, with four of them being identified by November 2018. Also, the suspect has been referred to as the Bible Belt Strangler because of the multiple victims found in the Bible Belt. As of 2023, many of those victims remain unidentified and are believed to have been murdered while either hitchhiking or engaging in prostitution. On April 20, 1979, the skeletal remains of an unidentified female were found in West Haven, Connecticut, on what was then the New Haven Water Company property, located off Derby Avenue near Route 34. The body was found wearing only a black lace bra. Strangely, a West Clocks brand folding travel alarm clock in a hard red case was found nearby. Investigators located a replica of the alarm clock, which has been provided for reference, although they noted that the actual clock may have differed somewhat from the replica. On April 24, 1981, her mandible was also recovered. Investigators were then able to determine that the skeletal remains were that of a Caucasian woman estimated to be in her late teens to early 20s and had died between one to eight years earlier. Due to the state of the remains, the medical examiner's office could not determine her manner of death and investigators were unable to identify her. Over the next 44 years, many leads were followed, but they were still unable to identify her. Finally, in May 2008, the case was entered into NamUs. In 2013, West Haven Police Detective Tammy Murray reopened the case, and she worked alongside Michelle Clark, a medico-legal death investigator, in the state office of the chief medical examiner. The case was part of a broader collaboration between the Connecticut office of the chief medical examiner and Othram, aimed at an attempt to solve the backlog of cold cases in Connecticut. Othram scientists built the comprehensive DNA profile, and Othram's in-house genetic genealogy team used the profile to develop investigative leads that were returned to law enforcement. In June 2023, 
The remains were finally identified as belonging to Sarah Tatham Abbott, also known as Sally. Sally was born on August 3, 1940, in Manhattan, New York. She was only 29 years old when she went missing from New Haven in July of 1970, meaning it took 53 years after her disappearance to identify her. The police were able to obtain a DNA sample from Sally's sister to confirm her identity. Even though she has been identified, authorities have not come to a definitive conclusion on her cause and manner of death. Thanks for joining me today on Southern Girl Crime Stories. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories, along with photos of victims, suspects, location of murders, and more. As always, your support is very much appreciated, and I look forward to seeing y'all next time.